you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. Welcome back, Lurkers, and Happy Halloween. It's another episode of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Except that this one is a What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero.com exclusive. It is not part of the Next Level Network. And the reason I say this is pretty simple. This is actually a rehashed, re-edited episode from my former podcast, the Bats, Bows, and Books podcast. You notice I never made my podcast names like easy to remember, <laughs> like Bats, Bows, and Books. The amount of times I had people say like uh, Books, Bows, and Bats, and, and Bats, Books, and Bows, and everyone always fucked it up. I never really cared. I mean, <laughs> if they were listening, that's all that mattered to me. But yeah, it was always funny how many people would fuck that up. And I thought What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero would be an easy one to remember, but everyone just calls it Podcast Zero, so... It is what it is. I don't care. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Um, I'm actually recording this on Devil's Night, but hey. Okay, so happy Devil's Night. Everyone watch The Crow today. I already did it. Um, Yeah, it's like a Devil's Night tradition for me to watch The Crow, so. Yep. Okay, anyways, back to what I'm talking about here. So, I have gone back and re-edited... basically tried to uh, work on the sound quality a bit better and I figured as a special treat I would bring back to you uh, the main portion of that episode I've edited some things out obviously like there's at one point in the episode I was talking about like The Walking Dead from like two years ago and like who cares to hear about that now like (laughs) um, no offense to Walking Dead I'm not even watching it right now so um but yeah, and I was talking about like Ash versus Evil Dead, which um, R.I.P. to that show. Uh, so I mean, like it, it was, I was gonna kind of leave it in there as like a time capsule kind of thing, but I was like, nah, fuck it. So the portion that I've saved and re-edited for you guys is basically the uh, the the seven film um, countdown, I guess you call it or whatever. I don't think they were in any specific order because I never watched these movies in this order. <laughs> um, Except, like, the, I think the final movie I mentioned, sometimes I do actually watch on Halloween night. But, uh, anyways, without further ado, you know, and, and I, I apologize already. Like, I, I said I was going to do this a couple weeks ago and <laughs> slipped my mind. So, I apologize for that, but it's here now. I hope you guys enjoy what you hear. If you haven't heard this before, if some of you have, you can relive old memories or you can just stop. <laughs> no, don't. Please listen to the whole episode. I, I put a lot of work into this. All right. Anyways, I'm done talking. I'm going to let my older self talk. This is like a time traveling episode, actually. It's like, you know, future me is talking to past me. And, you know, so. So 
I don't know, comic book Paul. You can take over now. Postmortem Paul is saying bye bye to everyone. Happy Halloween. wanted to kind of touch up some things really quickly before I would, you know, delve into the whole Halloween stick, which is basically going to start right about now. And for this segment, okay, I, this was hard because like I, over the past month, I have watched well over 30, 40, 50 horror films and I could watch easily another 200. Like it's not that hard to do this. But when it comes to Halloween, there's usually about anywhere between 5 to 10 that I must watch. Like, they're, they're must-watches that I, that I make a point of it. It's almost like a tradition. And for this episode of the podcast, I'm going to pick out 7 of those 5 to 10. So, you know what I mean? Like, kind of pick the midway point. I decided to pick 7 horror films that I absolutely have to watch every Halloween and I'll be honest with you, as far as it goes right now, I think so far I've watched about five out of these seven, so I only have two left, which isn't going to be hard because I have all day today to watch them, and not to mention I have a slew of other films I'm adding to it as well, and Halloween is probably going to go for another week for me, but that's, I'm babbling, let's just get right into it. Um, Oh, and this is not a countdown or anything, this is just seven films that I watch that are must-watches. It's not, you know, putting in any specific order. Just, uh, it's just some movies, uh, starting with this one. Welcome to a night of total terror. haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Night of the living dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. Night of the Living Dead. Yep, Night of the Living Dead. That's the first film we're going to talk about. The movie was released October 1st, 1968 in the United States of America. 
It was written by John Russo and George A. Romero. And if you don't know who George A. Romero is, what's wrong with you? He's the king of zombies. Come on. He's the reason we have zombies. No, actually, he's not. I'll get to that in a little while. But, you gotta know who George A. Romero is, right? I mean, doesn't everybody? Okay, I'm talking stupid. Anyways, the film starred Dwayne Jones, Judith Odia. I'm gonna say Odia. I'm not positive. Judith O.D. Maybe it's O.D. I know that's really horrible of me and I've been watching this film since I was a little kid and I still to this day don't know how to pronounce her last name that is it yeah it's a it's horrible but you know who I'm talking about she was Barbara they're coming to get you Barbara it's her Carl Hardman Marilyn Eastman Keith Wayne Judith Ridley they kind of round out the main cast you know there was um Oh, what was his name? The grumpy dude. Harry. Harry and his wife. And then Keith and Judith played, um, I want to say his name was Tom. And she was Judy. Judy was the idiot who, you know, they're going to go get gas for the truck. And she doesn't stay in the house when she should have. And you know what? When the, when the truck blew up and her body got eaten by the zombies... I didn't feel any sympathy for her, you dumb idiot. Stay in the fucking house. They told you to stay in the house. But, whatever. That's me. I'm ranting about the film. I just watched it last night, so it's, like, fresh in my mind still. Um, it's, and like I've said, I said it, what, two, two episodes ago, I think I talked about it? I said where it was, it's one of the first horror films I ever saw as a kid. I was, like, four or five when I saw it. And, I mean, this movie, like, it's been a huge part of my life, all my life. Uh, even, what, 15, 20 years ago? It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while! No, um, I bought, like, a shirt. Night of the Living Dead shirt. It was, like, the original poster art on it. Uh, and the funny thing about the shirt is 20 years later, it's got holes in it, it's faded, practically falling apart, and I still refuse to get rid of it. I still have it this very day. Um, and I love that shirt. I, I won't get rid of it for nothing. So let's see. What else to talk about this film? 1990 Tom Savini remake. It's awesome, isn't it? You've seen it? I hope you've seen it. I know I have. I own it. It's a great movie. Uh, but anything else with the name Night, Night of the Living Dead? Uh, and there's been several remakes or attempted remakes, reboots. Uh, they've all been disappointing uh, there was even one came out in 2006 yeah 2006 it was Night of the Living Dead 3D and I was excited to see it because Sid Haig was in it and I, I like Sid Haig I think he's an entertaining actor and whatnot. that movie was shit like and don't get me wrong I get it you know I've I, and I've said it on previous episodes Sometimes movies that I don't think are that great, you know, might be great to someone else, but I really don't see how anyone could have thought that movie was great because it really wasn't. It no, and none of the none of the remakes, minus the 1990 remake, the the 1990 remake that Tom Savini did was good. Nothing else has been good. Um, there is apparently a Night of the Living Dead VR game in the works, 
I haven't seen a whole lot about it, but I did read that there's one on the way. So that should be interesting. Uh, interesting, just this little uh, film fact about Night of the Living Dead. I thought this was kind of interesting. It's one of the last theatrical films to ever go unrated because the movie rating system, like, you know, your PG, PG PG-13 rated R, that sort of thing, uh, it was implemented in November of 1968, one month after Night of the Living Dead came out. So that's pretty cool, like, because I know, like, if if you look up Night of the Living Dead, there's no rating for it. Um, There was a 30th anniversary edition from Anchor Bay where they removed... This was stupid, honestly, and I I saw this version. It was... uh, They shouldn't have done this. But they added, like, 15 extra minutes of footage to like you know kind of flesh out the story and whatnot and i think they even removed some of the footage like from the original george a romero was not involved with it um he was smart (laughs) but aside from that i don't know why they did that but they did and uh it wasn't that good to be honest if you're gonna go with night of the living dead go with the original stick with the original if you watch the 1990 version, that obviously is great, but stick with the original. The originals are always the best. From Haiti, land of the voodoo, comes the most infamous cult of all. Bela Lugosi as Murder Legendre. I see Master of the Undead Damned. The sinister power behind the white zombie. Zombies? Yes. They are my servants. This soul killer takes men from their graves to be his slaves. His instruments of terror, and now this fiend plots to possess a woman. Only a pink wine, a silver mark, in a glass of wine, or perhaps a flower. Keep it, monsieur. Keep it. You may change your mind. Not dead. Are you mad? I saw her die. The doctor signed a certificate. I saw them bury her. Captive in the borderland between life and death. Her brain drained of the life spark. The white zombie obeys the unholy commands of her demon master. mindless creatures carry out his cursed will, terror explodes in horror and heartquake. Zombie! Halabi! Halabi! Never eyes so evil, never powers so potent, 
Never magic so black. Bela Dracula Lugosi as the master of the white zombie. White Zombie. There's me trying to be all funny again. Anyways, White Zombie was released August 4th, 1932. Yes, it goes back that far, people. Um, written by Garnet Weston, and it was directed by Victor Halperin. And I said that, you know, George A. Romero was the reason we had zombies. Actually, zombies predated even him. Victor Halperin, I think. To my knowledge, this was the first movie that used the word zombie in it. And I think it was also, like, basically the first zombie film. Like, having these people seem like they were in a catatonic state and whatnot. To my knowledge, this was the actual first one. I mean, George A. Romero's zombies obviously were different. They were flesh eaters and whatnot. In White Zombie, that's not what the case was. White Zombie was just someone who was... It, it, it was meant to be someone who was under the control of someone else. Uh, kind of like a whole voodoo thing going on with that um, like that kind of idea. The film starred Bella Lugosi, the Count himself, um, Madge Bellamy, and Joseph Cawthorn. They were pretty much the three main actors in the film. And basic synopsis for it was uh, a young man turns to a witch doctor to lure the woman he loves away from her fiancé, but instead turns her into a zombie slave. And that's basically what it was. It was, like it, like I said, it wasn't the flesh-eating kind of zombie or nothing like that. It was a totally different idea. The, the tagline, I, I actually, uh, I, I saved the tagline, like, wrote it down, because I thought it was, it sounds cool. I'd love to actually, like... Like, it's actually, I think it was on the poster, is where I saw it. But basically, the tagline is With these zombie eyes, he rendered her powerless. With this zombie grip, he made her perform his every desire. You couldn't use that today, I don't think, because I don't think too many people would uh, have let that float too well. But I thought it was a pretty cool, uh, cool tagline for the film. The film did come out a year and a half after Dracula. And actually, you can find the full movie on YouTube. The movie's only like an hour and six minutes long, or an hour and seven minutes long. It's, it's pretty short. The film was made on a budget of $50,000, which, when you think about films today, like, we call it like a low-budget film today made off of like, you know, $5 million. And what they called low-budget back... Well, that was actually high-budget, 50000 back then, so... Uh, the film can be found also on, like, those DVD sets. You know, you get, like, uh, it's, like, 10, 10 films for $10 or $5 or whatever. Those, those, like, classic, like, gift packs, so to speak. You can find them on, you can find it on there a lot. I've noticed a lot of different, um, like, what I call multi-monster DVDs. And it's actually somewhat annoying because I have, like, an actual physical copy of it. And I'll see these monster, like, DVD sets, and I'm like, I already have that. (laughs) But I might need some of the other titles, but whatever. I mean, I'm complaining about nothing here. Um, 
but yeah, it's an it's an easy movie to find. Like I said, you can even find it on YouTube. And yes, I obviously if you haven't figured out, it is the origin where Rob Zombie got the name for his band. White Zombie was yeah, that that's exactly where he got it from. So you know, I mean, love or hate his music or love or hate his films, Rob Zombie does know his shit, and he he knows how to do nice little homages to the past. So. Yeah, Bella Lugosi's 1932 film White Zombie. Well, Victor Halperin's, but you get what I'm saying. That's where he got the name. Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One. Two. We were just messing up. Four. Five. May 9th, 1980. The movie was written, or the screenplay, I should say, was written by Victor Miller, Sean Cunningham, and uncredited, but he did have a part in the writing process, Ron Kurtz. The film was also directed by Sean Cunningham, and it starred Adrian King, Harry Crosby, Mark Nelson, Kevin Bacon, uh, let's see who else, Janine Taylor, and Betsy Palmer, who played Mrs. Voorhees. This is the first film of the storied franchise. And it's also one of the few Friday the 13th films where Jason was not the killer. And, yeah, spoilers, was the mother. Um, <laughs> which, I think everybody knows that anyways. I'm not spoiling shit. Fuck, the movie came out in 1980, it's not a spoiler. 
but anyways, that's besides the point. Um, one of the cool things, though, I and actually watching Planet Terror right now, Tom Savini's in this movie. I mentioned Tom Savini during the Night of the Living Dead segment. Tom Savini was also part of Friday the 13th. Uh, and he wasn't actually credited in the film, though. But in certain scenes, uh, like, he's he actually plays, like, the killer, like, the hands and whatnot. Um, kind of like in the movie Halloween. Uh, I'll be talking about that later. But anyways, uh, in Halloween, uh, sometimes when you saw the hand of Michael Myers, it was actually Deborah Hill. Well... With this, uh, Tom Savini, sometimes, he was the one who you actually saw doing the killing. Even though, you know, obviously the killer was, you know, Betsy Palmer. But, so that, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, the music in the, the, like, the main theme and whatnot was done by Harry Manfredini. He did quite, I don't think he did them all, but I know he did, like, a good majority of the Friday the 13th films. I think there was a few of the middle ones where he didn't, but I'm not positive on that. One thing about Friday the 13th, it's always a classic. You almost always... You need it every Halloween. You have to watch the original Friday the 13th. I watched it two days ago. I absolutely love this movie. And, I mean, if you're not going to watch it on Halloween, you know, you're guaranteed at least one Friday the 13th every year, so I guess watch it then. (laughs) sleep no more I know I'm a horrible singer I think I just broke everybody's speakers that's listening to this Nightmare on Elm Street 3 The Dream Warriors one of my absolute favorite films I've talked about Robert Englund in the past I've talked about Nightmare on Elm Street in the past 
I usually find myself always battling between whether I love this one the most or the first one the most. Usually I tend to lean towards this one. I just love everything about this film. This film was released February 27th, 1987. It was written by Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner, Frank Darabont, and Chuck Russell. And Chuck Russell would end up also directing the film as well. And I, if I remember correctly, I think Frank Darabont and Wes Craven were the producers on the film. Uh, the film starred Heather Langenkamp. She returned from the first film. Uh, Craig Wasson was um, in this film. Pat, uh, Patrick. Patricia Arquette. This was her first film. Uh, first uh, role for Patricia Arquette. Rodney Eastman. Ken Sagos. Jennifer Rubin. Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, Lawrence Fishburne. I believe this was also one of his first films. And Robert Englund returned as Freddy, obviously. The synopsis for this one was the survivors of the undead serial killer, Freddy Krueger. They, well, they basically, they get sent to a mental hospital. So, yeah, they're survivors, but barely hanging on. And they learn to take control of their own dreams in order to fight back against, you know, Mr. Krueger. And it's... It's quite entertaining. Um, it's a great film. It definitely, what am I trying to say here? It does a very nice job of blending horror and humor. This is probably the best film for that. In terms of that, it still had its creepy factor. It still had its spooky factor. But it also gave you a, good, a few good laughs at the same time. IMDb. This is this is where I start hating on the internet because IMDb has this film rated at a 6.6 out of 10. I don't think that's fair at all. I think it's way off. This movie is very entertaining. Um, obviously, IMDb is a lot of the it's, it's user based, so I don't know who the fuck was on there rating it because that it, honestly it's one of the it's one of my favorite 80s horror films of all. And I don't understand how it's so low. But whatever, it is what it is. To me, it's a perfect mixture of what I want in my horror, like my 80s horror films. And obviously, as I started singing at the beginning of this, one of the most well-known horror soundtrack songs is featured in this film. Well, not actually in, at the end. I believe it runs during the credits. Dawkins' Dream Warriors, which also can be found on the Dawkins album, Back for the Attack. But as for the film, the film is an absolute classic. It is a must-have. It is a staple of horror films, especially 80s horror films, which, in my opinion, is one of the greatest decades for horror films. And I highly recommend it. It needs to be on your list of Halloween films to watch. It's Like I said, it's in my top seven. Or not, not necessarily a top seven, but it is one of them that... At least for let's let, let's say the last what, 15, 20 years, I've been watching it every year. So, Dream Warriors had to throw it in there. In the dark of the night. Something strange is going on. Do you not 
movie, Night of the Living Dead. Sure. They ship those bodies. Well, say hello. <laughs> the dead have risen from the grave. Mister, there's a hundred of those things out there. How many did you say? A hundred? And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. is nervous. Usual crap. The police are confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie. Well, it ain't working now. In the movie line. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The return of the living dead. Brains. Send more brains. Return of the Living Dead. Released August 16th, 1985 in the United States. Written by Rudy Ricci. John Russo and Russell Streiner and the screenplay was adapted by Dan O'Bannon who also directed the film the film starred James Cameron James Cameron wow James Karen hello get it right Paul Don Kalfa Clue Gallagher even though his name is spelled Gulliger but apparently he pronounces it Gallagher Tom Matthews Beverly Randolph Brian Peck, Mark Venturini, and Linnea Quigley as Trash. She was the one who couldn't keep her clothes on. Basic synopsis for the film was, when a bumbling pair of employees at a medical supply warehouse accidentally release a deadly gas into the air, the vapors cause the dead to reanimate as they go on a rampage through Louisville, Kentucky, seeking their favorite food Brains. Clue Gallagher, Gallagher, I don't know, I'm going to say Gallagher, because that's how it's spelt. He played Bert, and Don Kalfa played Ernie. But according to the director, Dan O'Bannon, that was not meant to have any relation at all to Sesame Street. According to him, he didn't even know that Bert and Ernie existed. Like, what fucking planet are you from, buddy? But whatever. 
So supposedly the Bert and Ernie thing was totally coincidental. He had no plan. He had no intention of doing that. I say bullshit, but whatever. Most people, you know, most people that I've talked to or heard talk about the the film, they call bullshit too. So whatever. The movie is a complete fucking trip though. Very 80s. Very, very 80s. The fashion, the music, everything about it is like so 80s. But who the fuck cares? It is so much fun. So much fun. I did mention, yes, I, I talked about the, po- the, the, the podcast. I talked about the soundtrack on a previous episode. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still listening to that soundtrack. You know, I think I was listening to it actually like two or three nights ago at work. It, abs- the music, yeah, it's dated, but I don't care. It's so great. Whatever. The whole fucking anything about Return of the Living Dead, even the sequels, Return of the Living Dead 2 is fucking awesome too. And I love watching that one. 3 and 4 I haven't watched in a long time. I might actually revisit those tonight. I don't know. I'll figure that out later. But uh, I was going to say this though, and I know I'm kind of plugging another podcast, but I have to do this because if you really want to hear a great podcast that breaks down this film like in full detail... The Say You Love Satan, an 80s horror podcast. They're episode 18, I believe it is. They do a review of Return of the Living Dead. And, I mean, like, they give you, like, the full fucking detail on it. They know a lot of the trivia and shit like that. There's stuff that I didn't even know about when I listened to their episode. I was like, oh, cool. Right on. Um, And they had a shit ton of humor as well. So it's very entertaining to listen to. I I thought I'd mention that. Again, much like the other films that I've mentioned, this is a must-watch. Like, you have to watch it, and don't take it seriously, obviously. It's it's a complete fucking joke. Tar Man rules. Like, and, I mean, it just... All around, it's it's a fun film. It's a must-watch. You have to watch it. time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out below. Keep it lit. Why? Ain't your tradition? Putting on costumes. I look like I'm five. You look great. What did we do now? We meet our dates. Jack-o'-lanterns. Why are we here? To pay our respects to the dead? The Halloween school bus massacre. They started to protect us, but... What in God's name are you doing down there? Hiding bodies? <laughs> Nowadays, no one really cares. This one's the lit. What is that? 
Sam. Treat. Okay, and ironically, I just watched this one yesterday, so it's very fresh in my mind. Um, there was, a, when I researched this, there were multiple release dates uh, for this film. It, like a ton of them. And it, it looks like it was kind of, from what, like, I don't remember when it was released. That's the problem. It was one of those films that I discovered afterwards. I think it was on, like, video on demand was when I discovered it. I didn't know about it when it was being played in the theaters, but it looks like from what I was able to pick up that it was like toured around different places. So there's many convention and festival release dates and viewings and whatnot, but the first viewing was December 9th, 2007 in the United States. So I'm going with that as the release date. It was written and directed by Michael Doherty. It starred actors like Dylan Baker, Anna Paquin, Brett Kelly, Brian Cox. There was a ton of them. Like, and and basically the the, the whole concept of Trick or Treat. This version that is, because I know I also did speak about the 1986 Trick or Treat in a past episode, but this one is the 2007 version. And it, the basic concept behind it was it was like five interwoven stories that all occur on Halloween night. You've got the, um, there's the high, the high school principal who has a secret life as a serial killer. That, fuck, that one's hilarious. There's the college version, like version, virgin, virgin, that uh, might have just met the right guy for her. And that ties in with the school principal. Um, there's a group of teenagers that pull a prank. There, it's the one where they have to collect the uh, jack-o'-lanterns. And they're supposed to go down to that rock quarry. There's that story that ties in with the whole thing. There's the woman who absolutely loathes Halloween night. And she has to contend with her... Her husband, who is, like, absolutely Halloween-obsessed. I'd be that husband, probably. But, um... Actually, I haven't been too obsessed with the whole dressing up and decorating the past couple years. But I'm absolutely nuts about my films. Like, I, I fucking stream them and play them and watch them like crazy. Uh, and then there's the mean old man who... Uh, he's, he's got the little dog... That uh, I think is it's a terrier of some sort. Anyways, uh, anyways, he has to deal with the demonic supernatural trick or treater. Other words, known it's Sam, Sam the little Halloween guy with a big bulbous head. 
So, whatever. Uh, it's done in the same vein as the 80s Creepshow films. You know, that whole anthology type idea. The whole style of film that, it done that way. Um, pretty much since I discovered this, I have watched it every year since. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's, I'll be honest with you, for being a film that's come out within the last 10 years, I'm, I really do enjoy this for the fact that there's not much CGI, it's practical effects, it looks like a good classic horror film, it's a lot of fun, the music is good, um, uh, hey, and I'm gonna throw this out there because I just noticed this yesterday for the first time, and... I don't. I guess it's because his name has been popping up more. Uh, in order to uh, throw this back to Arrow, the uh, a small bit of trivia that I noticed when I was watching it yesterday, I noticed in the post credits uh, for stunts listed under stunt coordinator was James Bamford, fra and we all know him from Arrow. I mean, he and now he's also directing Supergirl and Legends and other shows as well. But um, I had never noticed that before, so I was watching it yesterday and I saw his name pop up and I was like, oh shit, look at that. So now I appreciate him even more because he did one of my favorite horror films. So that's that. I, I just, I had to add that. I thought that was a pretty cool, uh, cool little bit of trivia. Halloween night. A small American town, 15 years ago. Michael? I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have Halloween. Okay, Linda. Come on out.
the granddaddy of them all, John Carpenter's 1978 smash hit, Halloween. Released October 25th, 1978. Written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Directed by John Carpenter. Music by John Carpenter. But the funny thing was, with the credits... When you're watching the film, the credit the credits will state that the Bowling Green Philharmonic Orchestra did the music, um, and that's because John Carpenter grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, so he decided instead of having his name basically on every bloody credit in the film, he would change it up and he gave it that name, the Bowling Green Philharmonic Orchestra. But we all know it was John Carpenter who did the music. The cast starring Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, Nancy Kyes, PJ Souls, Charles Cyphers, Kyle Richards, Brian Andrews, and Nick Castle as The Shape. The Shape was also basically Michael Myers, but they called him The Shape, so it is what it is, whatever, right? Uh, even though the film, this was, uh, I, I thought this was interesting, and I remember finding this out on the, like, it was like a making of, like, years ago I saw this in, uh, where, uh, the film is supposed to take place in Haddonfield, Illinois. Yeah. It was filmed in California. There's actually one scene, oh, fuck, I'm trying to remember what scene it is. I think it's when, uh, Loomis discovers the truck, the, the red truck, and it's, it, you, he knows that My, Michael Myers is now on his way to Haddonfield, and I think like in the background you like see like the like the mountains and the hills of California. And if you know anything about Illinois, most of Illinois is completely flat. So whatever. It, the budget for the film was three hundred thousand, but it grossed forty-seven million. So that's fucking amazing. But I bring up the budget because there's a shit ton of bloopers in this film. But who really cares, honestly? The the movie's too fucking great to care about the bloopers, but there are bloopers. I, I was watching... Uh, I was kind of watching it while I was doing other stuff last night, and, I mean, one of the funniest bloopers of all, is, in my opinion, because I notice it, like, every time now, is the uh, when Michael Myers is hiding behind the bush and uh, Laurie sees him and... You know, she points it out to Annie, and Annie goes running over to the bush, and Michael Myers is gone. When they show a close-up of Annie's face, you actually see smoke go by her face. Uh, the cameraman was smoking while he was filming. So I, I always thought that was funny, because it's like... It was just little things like that they never thought about. Uh, the, 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 the house that um, Laurie and Michael Myers, like... You know, where they conf- they have their confrontation... She opens the door going, like, one way. And then when she closes the door on the inside, it closes the opposite way. And that was due to the fact that the outside house... Like, the outside of the house was one house. And the set for inside the house was a completely different house. And it's little things like that. Like, they never noticed it. But, again, like I say, like... I I really don't care. Like, the movie is just too damn good to, like, to care about it. Um... In my lifetime, I've bought this on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, digital. (laughs) I have the soundtrack. I have one of the film shirts. 
I have a 6 inch Michael Myers figure and an 18 inch Miles Mike <laughs> Michael Myers figure. This film has like impacted my life in a massive way. Uh, and I mean like I and like I said I I can't remember what episode it was I said it on, but I did say that, you know, I saw this movie like later, like I mean I saw like Night of the Living Dead when I was like 4 or 5. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I think it was... Sure, how old would I have been? 84, I think I saw that in 85. So it was about 10... Well, it's about the same time as I saw Halloween, I guess. Um, but there's a lot of movies that I had seen before seeing Halloween. Amityville Horror was another one, actually. And yet the movie came out in 78. But, you know, pretty much since I've seen it, like... And what did it, what was I? It was 12, 13, around there. Uh, it's been an instant favorite. I love all the sequels. They're obviously not as good as the original, in my opinion. But I will... The whole Halloween franchise, I absolutely love. But the first one is a, is a mandatory watch on Halloween night. It had, I had to mention it because I watch it every single year. I never miss it. It is the one film that I absolutely must watch because it's it's Halloween, you know. And, and those are like just seven of the films that I could mention. There were so many I could have I could have mentioned what like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Poltergeist, Dracula, The Mummy, Lucio Fulci's uh, Zombie. I love that movie. That's an excellent movie. There's Demons, and there's Night of the Demons. I've watched both of them this year. Uh, Creepshow and Creepshow 2, The Grudge, Cujo, Monster Squad, Goonies, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Fuck, Christine, Drag Me to Hell, which I did watch, Babadook, Carrie... I watched Sleepwalkers the other day, like, and that movie's not that good, but I watched it, like, the thing is, is what I'm getting at is, I love my horror films, Child's Play, Shining, like I said, I could sit here, I could do this all day, like, and I'm barely even scratching the surface, but anyways, those are, the seven that I mentioned, though, are the seven that I think for the last at least 10 to 15 years of my life, I have not missed in the months of October. I've watched them every every year. So that that's just some of the Halloween fun was. Who is it? 